Lord, we thank you for this time in worship and reflection on your word. Thank you for your ministry through the Vine Church, through pastors Micah and Sarah. We are blessed by Micah's presence this afternoon and the partnership we share in kingdom ministry. Be in our conversation, guide our hearts and minds through this discussion of your word and the context of ministry and relationship that we have with you, Jesus Christ. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. So uh, thank you, Micah, for being with us today. And a few of us have had the pleasure of getting to know you a little bit and um, had a chance to, to sit down and talk with you. But, but others, I'm guessing, uh, either here or maybe those that will be listening or, or watching perhaps afterwards, uh, probably wondering uh, why you're here, kind of what, what your story is. So maybe just introduce yourself a little bit and how we came to be in relationship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So um, I grew up here in the Tri-Cities, uh, graduated Kinawakai in 98, and, um, uh, you know, I, I loved the Tri-Cities as a child, and um, I fell out of love as I really lost sight of who I was and the love of Christ and things like that in my life. Uh, by the end of my high school career, I found myself um, uh, falling in love again with God as he revealed just his grace and his love uh, and invitation in my life in spite of who I had been uh, in, in that season of life. At any rate, um, I went off to college swearing I'd never come back to the Tri-Cities, convinced that I was called into mission work and convinced also that mission work meant I was going to have to move overseas. Right. Uh, and so I went to Botswana, Africa. Um, Jesus met me there and uh, started to fix my eyes on missions as it pertains to the, the entire world, including our own neighborhoods, the places where we grew up and um, the people that we've known. So I went to college. That's where Sarah and I met. Uh, she's a missionary's kid, grew up um, in Italy and Guinea, West Africa on the mission field. Her parents are Bible, Bible translators. And um, we met there at college. And uh, as I was graduating college, uh, God in, or I was invited back to the Tri-Cities to do an internship, a youth ministry launch there that was then extended a job invitation and uh, took the job. 12 years in youth ministry. Um, and then... Uh, about five, five and a half years ago, began the journey of church planting here in the here in the area. Fantastic! You don't look old enough to have had all that experience, right? <laughs> you went you went to Botswana when you were five, right? Yeah, okay, exactly. all right. <laughs> well, yeah. today's scripture passage comes from uh, a part of the Bible that I'm sure you're familiar with because it. I mean, you named your church the Vine. Yes. Right. So, um, I'm guessing that's the. Ins inspiration behind the name of the church. Uh, can you tell us why you decided to call your fellowship the Vine and, and how being known as the Vine kind of shapes who you are and, and what you do in ministry as a fellowship? Yeah, so as I mentioned, for 12 years I was a youth pastor and um, in, in time my, God began to fix my and our, Sarah and my eyes, um, on uh, the neighborhoods around us, the unreached people in our community. And uh, we begin to toy with the idea of church planting and what would that look like. None of that uh, in, in like um, some sort of rebellion against the church that already existed in the Tri-Cities, but instead entirely convinced that new people engaging in faith in new ways in new neighborhoods uh, provides opportunity for kingdom growth here in our community. 
And so we began exploring this idea of, of church planting. We went off to kind of a boot camp for potential church planters. <laughs> okay. And um, at this uh, place, we had filled out all sorts of profiles uh, from um, spiritual, our giftedness, uh, financial health, uh, marital health, all these sorts of, you know, things. And then we get there, and for a week, we're in just intense conversations with their licensed therapists and their ministers and all these people. Uh, and what could have been the most intimidating and crazy experience of our life turned out to be one of the most beautiful experiences of our life as um, God-fearing, um, spirit-led people begin to speak into our lives what they understood God might be doing in this time. And so we came back to the Tri-Cities, and uh, we, we told them, hey, we are not ready to commit. We were just kind of curious what church planning was. and right. so Just dipping uh, our toe in. Exactly. Yeah. That's what we thought. <laughs> we, actually, we had no clue what we were getting into as we arrived there. Okay. And, um, and so we got back to the Tri-Cities and began praying and just reading Scripture. And in, um, in, in time, this verse began to weigh really heavily on us. Um, because I think this passage in John 15 does two things. Uh, for those of us lacking confidence, it reminds us that your strength and your nourishment and your potential is not found in and of yourself, but right. it's found in abiding in Jesus. And for those of us with too much confidence uh, and too much ability or something like that, uh, I've not experienced... Nobody here. I've not experienced course, right? much of that in my <laughs> life. But for those of us with too much confidence, it reminds us that we don't lead out on our own, but instead we choose a posture of abiding in Jesus. And so what's really interesting to me about this passage and, and in the season of prayer in our life was the way it rooted everything both in our identity and our hope as a, as a church plant right. in Jesus. And, and we wanted to be right there. And, and so, so uh, hence the name uh, of the church. We, we named it after Jesus, uh, the vine, the true vine, um, who provides nourishment. Yeah. Always, always a good way to go to name your church after Jesus. Right. I, I like that. So let's dive a bit more into the text itself um, and its importance as we consider our personal walk with God as well as how we live in relationship with, with one another and with church, you know, little C church in terms of our fellowship here, whether it be Desert Springs or the Vine and big C church in terms of, there's lots of, lots of different Christians out there, lots of different ministries in the Tri-Cities. Um, it's fairly clear that Jesus' instruction for us to remain, or as some translations put it, abide, in him is an important aspect of being a Christian. Um, how do you, how have you and Sarah come to understand what, what Jesus is talking about here and how do you, um, how do have you applied that in your life and ministry? You know, he makes a really stark statement here as he says, you can do nothing outside of me. And right. I spent a lot of time... We don't like that, do we? We'd like to do at least a little something, right? See, and that's the thing. A, a lot of things <laughs> can be done outside of Jesus. I right. mean, look at all the faithless people that have accumulated all sorts of wealth and whatever else in this world. So there are things that can be done right. outside of him. But of course, here he's speaking of kingdom things. Yes. You know, earlier we... we prayed together the Lord's Prayer as he prays, your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, so Jesus speaks here and in really stark terms of this idea that you can't participate in the things of God, in kingdom things, unless you are abiding in me, unless you're walking with me. And um, 
And, and so I, I think there's beauty, potential, and, um, uh, well, like earlier, I'm saying it gives us confidence to lean into the things of God, to confidently engage and pursue what God is doing in this world, to walk with him, to participate in his mission. Uh, but it also constrains us to say, um, uh, less of you and more of me in, in this journey, in your vision and where it goes. Um, so, you know, humility uh, is um, a, a posture we would always desire to take, but is sometimes quite challenging in, right. in our walks, right? Um, but a part of humility as it pertains to abiding in Christ and um, living into his mission in this world, I think revolves around community, uh, we were never intended to be islands, uh, nor does a branch live on its own, but is connected to others and, of course, to the vine. And so I think that communal discernment uh, is a really important piece to the humility and abiding in Jesus. An invitation to recognize whether you're a leader in a church or a leader in a household or a leader in a, a business here in the Tri-Cities, whatever that looks like, to recognize that um, as leaders in some uh, shape or form, uh, that we are invited not to lead out in isolation, uh, but instead to engage in community. The invitation to be a branch on this larger vine is an invitation to community in which God is working um, in uh, in you know, a, a beautiful mosaic of people that is the big C church right. that you're talking about there. So it's almost like a single branch isn't meant to bear all the fruit for the entire vine. Yes, well put. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think that that's, I mean, we can look around the Tri-Cities. This isn't on the paper, but we can look around the Tri-Cities and see bigger churches doing bigger things. Yes. Um, we can get envious of maybe of, of other uh, programs or outreaches and, and think, oh man, like, why isn't God, like, get a little ho holy jealousy yeah. in, in, in our hearts in terms of, uh, God, why, why haven't you called us or, or, or provided that opportunity for us? And, and I think that is a good reminder that, that we're a branch and, and Jesus isn't asking us to bear all the fruit, but the fruit that he's Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. And that's the beauty of, you know, churches sharing spaces of the pastors gathering that you and I are a part of each month as we get together with other pastors in the Tri-Cities and pray together um, to recognize that God is doing a work that is far bigger than any individual person, any individual church, um, that God is doing a work in our community, in our world. Um, that stretches far beyond an individual. And uh, in our faithful ability to abide in Jesus, he provides fruit, and we get to live into the things that he affords us and the opportunities he affords us. Um, but our, uh, our journey is one of many in which God is at work. Right. Yeah. That fruitfulness, it's, it's hard to avoid this fact in, the, in this passage, and I, and I don't like it. <laughs> It's kind of like uh, just when you think, okay, well, that doesn't apply to me, so I, I'm, I'm not one of those branches that's going to get tossed away and withered. Uh, Jesus says pretty clearly that there's a connection between pruning and fruitfulness, that, uh, that, that even the fruitful branch is going to get pruned in order to bear more fruit. 
And that pruning, as I understand it, if you're a plant and you get pruned, that's not a pleasant experience. It's a, it's a cutting off of something that, uh, at least to the branch, would seem is, is life. You know, it's life. So it's, it's cutting back from that. So I, first, I'd be interested just, um, you've been at this church plant, the vine, for five years. What evidence do you see of fruitfulness in, in your life and ministry uh, as the church, and, and, and how has pruning been involved in, in, in that path? Okay, I love that you go to pruning, because it would be yes. really easy to skip over this one. Yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, this idea of pruning, um, a couple things I'd want to draw out of it. First of all, um, in any illustration or parable, uh, you can break it down so far that you kind of lose sight of the big picture of what right. it's trying to say. Right. So we don't want to run too, down, too, too far lost down. In the right, details. Too right. lost in anyone. But this is a really interesting one and, and, and I think important. First of all, um, pruning is never done to harm a plant. Right. So let's picture a God who is trying to produce fruitfulness in the church, in this kingdom that is coming to earth, uh, and first of all, recognize that it is not for harm that anything would be pruned. Instead, it is for uh, the success of, the growth of, the fruitfulness of um, the church in his kingdom in this world. Um, secondly, I think in our Western mindset, it's really easy to look, uh, listen to this um, as speaking to individuals. And now, there right. is probably an application that could be drawn from this from individual people. Um, in the English language, uh, the English language is broken in that there is no plural form of you. And Except so, down south. Yes, right. y'all. Y'all. Right. y'all. So sometimes You're I saying say, this is a y'all? Yeah, so sometimes okay, right. I would say you all. Every right. single you statement in this passage is okay. plural. Yep. Okay? And, and quite often when Jesus is telling parables, um, he is contrasting the kingdoms of the world or um, Israelite um, political or religious leadership with the way the kingdom of God operates. And so when I hear this pruning, I do hear him, at least in the minds of the first century hearers, speaking about the structures that sure. are destructive to the kingdom of God, maybe speaking to the Pharisees that are probably listening in on this conversation right. like they so often are, um, and contrasting it to those that choose to abide in me rather than seek whatever else, the political power or, or the wealth or whatever might be um, sought. So pruning is for the sake of the organization is never done to harm. And so in our churches or in our lives, um, and again, I, I hesitate to apply this individually, but I think it's fair to, to some extent. Right. Um, we understand that God has our best interests, and, or particularly kingdom interests. And as we abide in Jesus, we align ourselves with kingdom principles, realizing that it is for the betterment of the church and for, of course, members are the church. It is for our betterment and God's work in this world that any pruning would take place. Yeah, I think that's so good. I mean, we could, we could spend all afternoon yeah, on this, but I do, um, I do want to kind of wrap up this discussion, but I think that's a really important point that you make, Mike, is that we talk about fruitfulness in community. We should also talk about that pruning happening in community because that I have seen this passage abused in personal application or application in the church where the assumption that some sort of discipline that the church may mete out to someone is, 
is suggested that that's the pruning that's going on, that, that I'm doing this for your, for your own good or, or whatever. And the idea that um, it's all done in the context of the vine dresser being God the Father, loving, loving and caring for the church, Christ's body, that the pruning is never meant to harm the plant. I think that's a very good point. We've got a master gardener in, in our midst that would, would probably agree that if you get overzealous with your pruning, yeah. So thank, thank God we have a vine dresser that knows so much more. Because we could even think that there are areas of our own lives that need a little pruning or suggest. So the idea that, that God knows even better than we do mm-hmm. those areas that we might need a little pruning or adjustment for greater fruitfulness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in all of that, I think it's appropriate as a church, as an individual to say, God, refine us. God, strip from me the things that are preventing me from seeing or engaging in the things you're doing in this world. I think that's a really appropriate and healthy posture. And a God who desires to bring about fruitfulness, a God who desires to bring about health and healing, reconciliation in this world will gladly strip away things that are preventing that from happening and enable us to be participants in what he's doing. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'd, I'd just like to close us with this thought before we transition to a time of sharing um, in communion together, is that fruitfulness, a lot of times, our minds, especially, you know, pastors get together and we, we can kind of share. I think the last time we gathered together was what's going well in ministry. You know, it's, and that can sometimes not so subtly weave its way into kind of a humble brag in terms of, you know, this is, this is how God is blessing us and we're growing and that fruitfulness can often be misunderstood as, as just numerical growth. More, more bodies and chairs, more money in the offering plate, uh, bigger, bigger, better. Because that's where our culture is. That's the, that's the air we're breathing. That's the water we're swimming in. We associate God's blessing with numerical growth. But, but when, you look at, when you look at places in Scripture that talk about fruitfulness... That I think of that fruit of the spirit, yes. and it's about character formation. So that some of the more fruitful times in our lives can be those times where our finances aren't doing well, our relationships aren't going the way we'd like them to go. Um, ministry, ministry is more frustrating to us than it is a blessing. Um, so I, I think that that's we can always be fruitful in some way if we're open to the vine dresser pruning us and adjusting our lives and remaining in Christ and not mistaking fruitfulness with and, and our job is not to produce fruit. It is to abide in right. him. Yeah, right. and, and he will produce that fruit, and we will trust that it is for his sake, for his kingdom. Yeah. yeah. So that being said, we, we pray that the Lord does bless the vine with 
character growth in terms of the fruit of the Spirit and numerical growth for the sake of the kingdom, that there are people out there that, that God has called you and Sarah and your people to reach, that there's people in our community that God has called Desert Springs to reach, and that, that um, you know, that saying that a rising tide lift all, lifts all boats. There's more than there are more than enough sinners for us to share out there in ministry. One hundred percent. In parallel, the blessing to all of you. God is bringing about fruit, fruitfulness, and I have seen nothing but love and goodwill and generosity in our time with you. So thank you. God is producing beautiful fruit in you. Yeah. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, we thank you that you are the vine dresser. Um, it's only in your son, Jesus Christ, that, that we can do anything that produces fruit for the kingdom. We can fool ourselves. We can, we can go to the store. We could buy waxed fruit and put it in the bowl, but it's not true fruit. Um, it's not something that's leading to greater righteousness and effectiveness in ministry. Lord, um, if we're honest at all with ourselves and with one another, um, we, we don't like the idea that we need to be pruned in order to experience greater fruitfulness. Um, so wherever we're at as individuals in this room, wherever somebody's at that's listening to or watching this uh, later, Lord, we just, we ask that your spirit would come to them and affirm to them how loved and cherished they are, that you're not grading them on some sort of level of, of production, that that's not the point of this passage, that we would take these words about fruitfulness as your body, as we're connected to the vine, and, um, and allow the enemy of our souls to, to come in and, and give us shame or burden us with um, thinking that it's about our works. It's about us getting ministry done in order to be fruitful. As Micah has reminded us as we close out this time, we are just asked to remain in you, and that's how we bear fruit. So Lord, we give ourselves, we, um, we give our churches, our fellowships, the Vine, Desert Springs, all the churches of the Tri-Cities uh, to you, that there, there is a harvest of souls out there that you are... Uh, you're calling us to be fruitful in terms of our, our character development. Uh, you're calling us to be fruitful in terms of our willingness and, and providing us opportunities to share the gospel so that your kingdom would be advanced in our midst. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.